Asif Savas. Uh, I'm a senior vice president at Simeo Solutions. I'm responsible for Simeo's business in Canada, and I'm based in Toronto. Hi, and welcome to the Identity North podcast. Identity North is Canada's premier identity community. At our conferences, we bring together Canadian and global leaders to share the big ideas and innovations that are shaping the global digital economy. I'm Aaron Hamilton, your host and the chair of Identity North. We have three goals at IDN. We want to educate, connect key players, and to promote Canadian innovations in organizations. We want Identity North to be the platform to discover and explore the big questions, innovations, and ideas shaping the digital economy here in Canada and around the world. Digital ID and authentication are ultimately the foundation for our digital economy. All of our interactions, our transactions, and our online lives depend on the creation of robust, secure, and scalable systems that allow us to prove who we are online. Guests will include leaders from both the public and the private sector, with a focus on Canadian leaders working at home and abroad. You can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. Connect with us online on Twitter at Identity North or via email at info at identitynorth.ca. Asif, welcome to the Identity North podcast. Thank you for having me, Aaron. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, Asif? Tell me how you first came to start working in the identity space. Yeah, I came into the identity space in, in, in 2006, actually. I, I moved to Canada as a student uh, in 2005 uh, to do my master's in business. Uh, and I did have a technology background before that. But post my, uh, my education in Vancouver, uh, I came to uh, meeting um, one of the founders of an identity company called Vayu. And I had the conversation with him where he was looking to grow his business in Canada and he had a couple of projects where he wanted uh, people to, to work with him. And that's how fresh out of uh, business school, uh, I moved to Toronto from, from Vancouver and, uh, and started as a consultant uh, working on identity management projects. So that was really my start uh, in the identity space back in uh, 2006. So give me a sense of how your career has changed and what's changed since, uh, you know, in the last 12, 13 years. Right. Yeah. And to, I, I really started out uh, as a consultant uh, working on, um, you know, working on identity projects in, in the enterprise space. And then I grew to, uh, to being an architect and, uh, and a project manager a couple of years after that. And, and then really to take on, uh, uh, larger leadership roles uh, at uh, at Vayu, which ended up uh, exiting to uh, to Sun Microsystems, and I was responsible for Sun's uh, identity management business uh, here in Canada. And then post uh, Sun's acquisition of Oracle, I've been part of Simio, uh, really playing a leadership role with regards to engaging with customers on their uh, identity management projects, both on the enterprise identity side as well as on the customer identity side. So my, my career has really evolved, you know, starting out as a consultant, focusing on projects, deployments, and so on, to, to really growing in the last 13 years, to, to being able to advise customers in terms of uh, how to embark on their digital identity journeys and projects. 
So Asif, you've had the opportunity to work on a lot of different uh, identity projects. So how would you classify these various types of implementations or projects that you can work on in, the, in this new emerging industry? Right. So identity projects have uh, evolved in the last decade or so. It was traditionally uh, the large enterprises uh, which took on identity projects focused on, you know, how they managed access uh, for their specific employees. Uh, you know, you can uh, refer to them as uh, B2E focused identity projects, you know, a business delivering ser services, identity services to their employee and, and managing access. In the last few years, we've really seen a change in the way business is done, right? So, Organizations are a lot more integrated uh, with regards to an aircraft manufacturer works with different suppliers. They have just-in-time inventory and supply chains and things like that. So that means they need to have an identity component with regards to how they interact with their business partners and manage access for them. So we can call them or categorize them as B2B identities. And then finally, uh, organizations are starting to do a lot more business digitally through, through the internet, through mobile devices, and so on. You know, people want to consume services from everywhere, which means they have to offer their business services via these platforms and make sure that they are secure. And this aspect has uh, led the need for managing consumer or customer or citizen identities as well. So you got started initially with business to employee implementations and you've seen the evolution and emergence of business to business uh, applications. There's probably another big trend that's emerging right now as well, right? Yeah, the next big trend is offering or servicing your end consumers of uh, the business has number of consumers, they may be citizens or end users who need to access services um, digitally online from multiple platforms, be it on a mobile device or on across your desktop. So this is really the B2C digital identity uh, requirement that's fast evolving, that's also referred to as trusted digital identities. So businesses can initially verify their end users and then offer them services. So it seems to me that when we're talking about you know, the B in, in B2C or B2B or B2E, the B doesn't necessarily have to be a business, right? I mean, it, it could be any organization, like government, a church, or, or sports league can be a, a B in that case, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, there are a number of uh, organizations that, that offer identity services, right? Uh, based, on, um, based on how you uh, interact with your user communities, right? So, it, it could be airline, which manages loyalty of its end customers or users. It could be a hospital that offers uh, access to, to patients for to digital health records. It could be educational institutions that offers services to prospective students when you're a student in the, in the university or school. And once you move out to help you with career services, once you become an alumni. It's not locked down to just a business. It, any, every organization today offers identity capabilities to its people. They probably just don't refer to it as identity. I think that's a good way to think about it because identity is one of those things that we don't really think about using until we're using it. And we don't even necessarily think about it when we're using it. It's just part of our daily lives. Identity is often working best when it's embedded into a business transaction right? Whether it 
be us going and uh, accessing our, uh, our hydro bills or whether it be uh, having the ability to uh, manage my uh, programming on my DVR sitting at home. At the end of the day, it is all in any transaction that is, uh, that is supporting a business transaction or let me say, Every business transaction is supported by an underpinning identity transaction, which basically identifies uh, who you are, right? And if you unpack that further, then it seems that almost any consumer or business or employee uh, type transaction actually is probably underpinned by an identity transaction somewhere embedded in there. Definitely, yeah. Once, uh, you um, you know, today opening a bank account that is an identity transaction. In the banking and financial services space, they refer to it as KYC, which is know your customer, but KYC is basically identity. So every industry might have a different term for it, but knowing, uh, but you know, mapping out who the individual is and uh, what services uh, they are consuming from you is basically, you know, in the identity world, we refer to it as authenticating the user and managing their authorizations, which is basically the underlying services that they're enabled to use. So business to employee, business to business, business to consumer, are these types of transactions unique or are there fundamental truths out there that govern or underpin all of these things? The fundamental principles are very, very similar, right? Whether it be a B2E uh, scenario where a business is trying to uh, offer its employees access to the applications that they may have in-house, which may be an HR system or a time entry system or or an expense management system. The business is trying to make sure that their employees can access them uh, across multiple devices. That's a B2B transaction. Now, if you look at it from a B2B transaction, it's just the community of users are a little different. It may not, you may not have an employment relationship in a partner transaction, which is a B2B transaction, people who you work and do business with who you, may be your suppliers, but you're still identifying who they are and you're granting them access in a secure manner within the type of relationship that you have. The, the principle again is the same. And you come to a B2C transaction, which is a consumer. So you might have a consumer who is subscribed to uh, one level of service from your business or your organization. You might have another consumer who has a higher level of service uh, within your organization, but you still need to identify who that end user is. And then based on the service level or the product that they have procured or purchased from your organization, you need to make sure that they can access it in the quickest uh, and uh, frictionless manner. So all these transactions are grounded in the same principles of uh, uh, security, privacy, and uh, ease of use, right? I think that's, that's fast becoming a, a big need. Uh, all our users expect security and privacy to be fundamental. Uh, they also expect the experience to be very easy to use as we are starting to deal with uh, a larger millennial community. And presumably, when you can decrease friction, that's actually what drives adoption. If you can actually make it easy or fun for people to engage with your application, whether that is for your employees or your business partners or your consumers, 
um, adoption is is the name of the game, and ease of use is is really what you're driving for. Adoption is is definitely the name of the game, right? Uh, if you look at uh, all the different categories that we just talked about of identity scenarios or use cases in the in the consumer setting, one of the biggest challenges a number of online businesses face today is uh, you know uh, dropping of, of shopping carts that are not that are not that don't lead to uh, purchases. And the biggest friction element there is people have to sign up and you know the whole username password and setting up 20 questions before you can purchase anything is, is a big challenge in the, in the um, e-commerce industry. A number of employers have this challenge as well, right? Where employees today have high expectations of their employer because of the likes of uh, the Googles and Facebooks, which have a, a great uh, setting for their employees. And part of an employee experience is also the workspace. Part of your workspace today is uh, how you access your various systems that you have to do uh, access as part of your job on a day-to-day -day basis. If employers make this challenging for their employees, you know there are people who will poach good talent, and good talent uh, usually has a very short, uh, uh, ten, uh, uh, short. Uh, they, they don't have much patience, let me put it that way, right? So, so organizations need to do things both to retain employees as well as uh, increase customer adoption for the services that they offer by offering better technology experiences and identity is a big part of that. So what I think I hear you saying is that the, uh, the new consumer experiences are really influencing um, a lot of the other types of experiences, maybe in the business-to-business -business and business-to-employee. Definitely. I think the traditional mindset of an organization basically telling their employers, employees what to do has changed. Organizations are, are starting to really focus on how they provide very positive and conducive workplace for their employees and are starting to treat their, their employees in, in a way as, similar to how they treat their customers. And what they have learned managing customer interaction scenarios are now being adopted in how they apply them to their employees as well, which is leading to better workplaces. Fascinating. So tell me, what can the various types of organizations learn from each other? I mean, because we've got the government now and the public sector. Is there any cross-pollination going on there? I think there, there are definitely a lot of uh, learnings that they can adopt from each other. Right? I think um, one of the biggest areas for, for businesses are businesses to a large extent are, you know, bottom line driven. Uh, not that it is negative, but uh, they look at ways to do things faster, quicker, cheaper, more efficiently, and offering identity through cloud-based models have been uh, adopted by businesses sooner. Government, uh, we are noticing definitely in Canada, is becoming uh, more open to cloud-based identity solutions. So that's something that government uh, can definitely take from, uh, from enterprise. So enterprises have gone down that path and uh, have, have been successful, and we see government adopting that. On the other side, uh, governments definitely have various communities of users, right? And any solution that government builds needs to address every demographic or constituent, taking into consideration, you know, how do you deal with the 
a minor to how do you deal with a with a senior citizen and how they may access how they may all interact with government and access government services so that thought around building or or, or building solutions for a wide range of user types and adoption uh, is something that uh, other institutions can learn right uh, be it banking and financial services who may be very focused on one specific uh, high net worth user community whereas um, you know there is hospitals and so on which deal with wide ranging uh, demographic of users so they can all learn a lot from how governments have rolled out such programs I'm going to be really interested to watch how the industry evolves and starts sharing uh, best practices around engaging with different uh, with different communities uh, with regard to identity and transactions. So, where do you see the industry going? Tell me about the uh, the economy of the future and what kind of a role does identity play in in, in this evolution? So, what we have definitely observed in the last couple of years, Aaron, is that we're seeing this move towards a trusted digital identity. Um, uh, in the in the past, governments still governments or businesses still did a lot of the initial enrollment to a service or sign up to a service um, manually, or you had to go into a, a kiosk, or you needed to go into a branch to 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 start a relationship. Post that, you could continue that relationship, or you could manage or manage that business relationship online. But I think uh, there is a big shift towards being able to do all of this online. And a big part of that is what uh, the industry is now calling as uh, identity proofing or trusted digital identities, which is where someone can use their government issued credentials or use other trusted third parties to verify who they are to, to start this relationship. This is just one of the trends we are seeing. I, th- I think you're, you're definitely onto something here. The idea that the, there'll be a common framework with the, uh, for the credentials to be able to be leveraged you know, across the public sector and the private sector, presumably my, you know, my bank uh, credentials, my telco credentials, my government credentials, and allowing each of these, uh, these players to kind of interoperate and, and cooperate to, to give me a great customer experience. That's kind of what you're driving at, right? Definitely. So this is a federated trust relationship, right, where an institution can trust other parties who have already gone through this verification and proofing process and rely on them uh, and then use their credentials or digital identities to, to start a new business relationship with your organization. I think one of the things that's on our mind is, is the fact that there's more and more technology in our lives and more and more um, systems and, uh, and suppliers that we're interacting with. And, and it seems that uh, I've got more technology, you know, in my house than I ever did before, and more than I could have ever imagined. How is that gonna? How's that gonna change based on identity? That's a great question, Adam. I think a lot of us are are very quickly adopting Amazon's Alexa or Google's uh, home product, right? And all of these products connect to other devices in our lives through a common protocol called OAuth, which is a standard identity protocol, right? So if your, if your Google Home is talking to, uh, to, your, uh, to your August smart clock, right, or your home security system, it's all connected 
through identity relationships. And this is a fast evolving space as well, where uh, the whole aspect of uh, uh, Internet of Things, uh, as well as uh, a fast evolving conversation now uh, with a number of privacy uh, experts and enthusiasts is around consent, right? Because people are hooking up their Apple Watch, which might have their heart rate and other health information to, to other Google services and other platforms, right, for, for analytics and so on. So this, this is a fast evolving uh, space and we will see a lot more in the next, uh, in the next year or two. Okay, you've completely set us up for the next conversation. We're going to have to touch base with you back again in a few months to kind of see, you know, the latest releases from Apple and, and see how they're starting to affect our lives. Because there are hints that there's a, a lot of new new technology coming with regards to uh, Apple devices and, and other technology that we're, we're bringing into our lives. Thanks very much, Asif. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode of the Identity North podcast. Please tune in to future episodes in which we will explore the big questions, the innovations and ideas that are shaping the digital economy here in Canada and around the world. You can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. Register today for an upcoming Identity North event at identitynorth.ca and connect with us online through Twitter at Identity North or via email at info at identitynorth.ca. I'm Aaron Hamilton. Thank you for tuning in.